listening to Hope Signals, the podcast of Life on the Verge Ministries, offering Bible-based insights to help you live a life of purpose and passion. Well, this is your host, Mark Mason. Thank you for listening to Hope Signals, a ministry of Life on the Verge Ministries. You can learn more about us at lifeonthebridge.com. So uh, this is part three of No Mo FOMO. And the idea, well, first off, I I would assume you've listened to the first two parts or one of the other parts. And uh, you know the definition of FOMO, fear of missing out. It's a common term. I think some marketing executive coined it uh, several years ago, maybe a couple of decades ago. I'm not sure. I'm talking about it in the context of this fear that we're going to miss out on God's perfect plan for our life. And we've used that question that Bill Bright coined, um, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That's not a question, a statement. Um, And that's true. But as, as I said in the last episode, God's plan for our life is to make us more like Jesus, no matter where we are, what we're doing. Um, the, the goal is that we would become more and more like Christ. And uh, that, that translates, my friends, to uh, whether you're living in a Middle Eastern country uh, under, you know, duress because of uh, opposing forces, you know, Muslims and that kind of thing, that uh, radical Muslims, I should say, um, or if you are living in great prosperity in the Western world, whatever. You know, when sometimes uh, we get an Americanized view of success in God's kingdom, and success in God's kingdom is, well, first to have fellowship with him, but also to live with purpose. I talked about that, a a noble purpose now, a kingdom. If you're walking with Jesus, your purpose is not going to be opposed to his will. So we don't need to walk around in fear of missing God's plan. That's the crux of this idea of nomo-fomo. We should be seeking God's will, knowing that, well, even that, I I back up from that question. I go, well, the answer to what is God's will for my life, it's to make us more like Jesus. Now, I think to some degree, um, we could look at our relationship with our Heavenly Father the way that maybe we want, if you have sons, we want our sons to look at us as their earthly father. And I'm not going to dictate exactly what I want my son to do with his life. Uh, I might give him some suggestions, and the older he's gotten, the more I've kind of determined uh, that if he doesn't ask, I'm not going to you know, just constantly be injecting my opinion and my advice. I don't know if that, if that, if you think about that, you know, the longer that you walk with the Lord, it seems that the heavens are as brass more often. Like I don't hear as much. I don't see as much. Like why isn't God speaking like he did in my early Christian life? Um, I don't know. I don't know if, if this is exactly relative, but as my son matured, uh, you know, or my daughters, but I'm referring to my son, as he matured and he began to live his life largely according to the Judeo-Biblical Christian principles that he was taught, um, well, then there was less need for me to be dictating every step that he took. I'm here. He can ask my advice. He can ask me for wisdom. I'm still not going to tell him exactly what to do. Uh, and I don't know if that translates exactly the way that 
that, you know, God views us or looks at us, but there might be a nugget of truth in that idea, you know, that God kind of, we're saved, and in our early Christian walk, there's a lot of transformation that needs to take place for some of us. Um, You know, we need, for example, in my Christian walk, I, I call it the incubator. I needed to be surrounded by only Christians for a long time to really grow in my faith. Uh, some of the things that we do today, going out, uh, I mentioned in the ep- last episode uh, that we're going to be playing this little pub, restaurant, cafe place called Winston's Cafe in Chesapeake on December 7th. Well, we're going to be playing in the evening, and it's probably more of a bar atmosphere uh, in the evening. There was a time in my life that I could never go into a place like that without stumbling. Now I go into it with a sense of mission and with my wife, and uh, I get far more satisfaction of by being salt and light in that world, and I'm looking for the God connections and what does God want to do in this scenario. I couldn't have done that early in my life. There was a lot of reconstruction that needed to take place, and I was hearing from the Lord quite often, but I, I think that And not that I don't still feel like I'm hearing from the Lord on things, don't get me wrong, but I think as we mature, he kind of says, okay, you're ready now, get out on the field and play. You know, I've given you the world, you know, go out and and have have fun, find joy in your work, right? Uh, The world is your playground, so to speak. Stay within the lines of, of my righteousness, you know, walk with me, and then go pursue, your purpose, the, the thing that brings you joy and meaning. And so we talked about that in the last episode, is, is that while, yeah, first off, let me say this. If God has some divine, perfect thing that he created you to do, when we look at people like David in the Bible, obviously, you know, David was chosen. I mean, God in his Sovereignty chose the Jewish race, the Hebrew people as his people. He chose David for a specific purpose. Um, He chose Moses. I've often said this, that if God has some, if if you're getting it wrong and and you're you're just missing out on God's, you know, why he created you, you, you're you're living for God now. I'm not talking about people that are living apart from God. Um, I'm talking about people that are walking with the Lord and you're trying to figure out what God wants you to do, and the temptation, you can get so frustrated that you do nothing. You get paralyzed, paralysis by analysis. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, and you can get mad, frustrated, and angry at the whole situation. Been there, you know. Um, But if God has this grand, specific task that he wants you to do, he will burn a bush and speak from it. (laughs) It will be very clear to us, or to you, if that's the case. Otherwise, he says, look, stay within the realm of the kingdom and go pursue. Go go take dominion. Go go do the thing that brings you purpose. Do it out of make love the motive, love for me and love for others, and then go and do what it is that brings you joy and meaning and fulfillment. So Yes, God has has a plan. That plan is to make us more like Jesus, but God also wants us to live with purpose. And he gives us great uh, permission, maybe is the word, or uh, he just gives us a, a, it's not like some tiny little target. It's like the side of a barn, you know? 
go. Aim at the thing that brings you joy, meaning, and purpose. So the second point that I was going to make in the last podcast, I ran out of time, was that God wants us to live with dreams. Now, it's really, well, let me give you this scripture. This is a scripture that had a profound impact on my life many years ago. I think the first person I heard say it was Pat Robertson. Um, I don't know if it was a book or it was on a TV show, but I heard this scripture. I think it was on a tape series. Remember those when we used to get sermon tape series? Um, But it was Proverbs 13, 12. And I just read it two days ago, and it took on new relevance. Isn't it amazing how Scripture, a parable, a verse, a word, can mean different things at different times in our life? The the beauty of Scripture. Uh, So Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Many versions say a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. As I pondered that the other morning, you know, I don't. I, I'm always wanting, and I. But yet I know that Scripture says, uh, you know, Psalm 23: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." So when I'm like, well, I want. I want better. I want a new guitar. I want new tires on the truck. I want the RV to be fixed. I want something like, am I missing God? Am I in sin? Because the Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. I, I want to do new exploits in the name of Jesus. You know, um, I want to take new ground. I'm, the word want is injected there. But Scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I looked up the Hebrew definition, and the, the, the word means, and some of the translations actually say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in need. So that, to me, said, well, I know that Scripture tells us in the New Testament, Paul said, God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. You know, many years ago, Susan and I determined that we would never borrow money again to meet a need. We would trust God to provide for our needs. Back in those days, I think we were actually paying bills on credit cards. We were in debt up to our nose. Today, praise God, except for scraggling medical bills that never go away. You know, about the time you pay one off, another one pops up. Um, but other than that, we have no personal debt, and Life on the Verge has no debt whatsoever. We are debt-free. Praise God. And I know that God will always supply for our needs. I might not get all, the Rolling Stone says you might not always get what you want, but if you try sometime, you might just find you get what you need. I'm going to get what I need. God's going to take care of that. If we are connected to the body of Christ, we can be sure we will never go hungry and we'll always have a roof over our heads. My first advice, I know there's a lot of people that are mentally challenged on the street, um, or you know they've got serious issues, so I'm not mocking homeless people. But my first advice to a homeless person that you know is begging for food is, go get connected to a local body and serve there, and your brothers and sisters are not going to let you go hungry, and they're not going to let you sleep on the street. you know. And, and if you go to a church and they don't help you out, uh, then go to another church, you know, but you don't need to be out here on the street living like this if you're a believer. 
another personal opinion story anyway. But we can rest in the fact that if we are always sowing into others, that's the that's the catch there, right? We reap what we sow. So we can't just, you know, we have, you used to at the church, well, all the churches I've worked for, there's been people walking the door. They're not part of the church. They've never sown anything into the church, but they want you to pay their electric bill. You know, they, they want you to take care of all of their needs, but they're not sowing into the body. They're not, they're not connected to the body. That doesn't mean that we couldn't help them from time to time, but you can be sure that if you are sowing into a body, that if you are connected to a body, um, that you're going to be taken care of. You're your brothers and sisters. You're going to have friends there. They're going to help you out in time of need if you let it be known. But it's important that you're known as someone who's sowing. And it's also why it's important that when we are prospering and we're, we're not in great need, that we're taking care of other needs because one day we might need to draw on those deposits. Uh, <clears throat> nevertheless. So, but a dream is different from a need, a desire, um, is what the word in the Hebrew means um, from Proverbs 13, 12. A dream or a desire is different from a need. So the scripture doesn't say uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a need fulfilled is a tree of life. A longing or a dream or a desire, that's what the word means. So we can be content and thankful for all God has done for us, but also dream of more. Sometimes the temptation can be, imagine a son going to his dad, my son coming to me, and say, hey dad, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for feeding me, protecting me, sheltering me, changing my diapers, taking me to you know, soccer practice, or all the sacrifices we make for our kids. Dad, thank you for doing all this. You've done so much for me, dad. I'm too ashamed to dream of anything more. Well, that would disappoint my heart. You know, I want him to dream. Matter of fact, at this stage of my life, there's nothing that brings me more excitement than when my phone goes off and it's one of my children calling me and they have a dream that they want me to you know, give advice for or to help with, if they will articulate that to me, nothing brings me more joy than helping my children. So we don't want to go to God and say, well, look at all that you've done for me, God. You saved my soul. You delivered me from addictions or you did this for me. You blessed me with prosperity. You gave me a wonderful family, a wife and all these things. I'm too ashamed. I can't see myself. That's almost a false humility, isn't it? You know, I, I, I can't see myself possibly dreaming of more. I'm ashamed to even dream of more. Well, all the while, I'm th- I think um, God is more like you know, me as a father. He's excited when we come to him with an articulate dream. Now, that articulate is the key word there. Sometimes we want God to give us the dream, and sometimes he does. I mean, he certainly speaks to it, um, but he, he gives us a mind. He gives us an imagination and says, dream. That's what my book on vision is all about. That's some of the hardest work that I do, and I, I ask for wisdom. That's what I pray for. Lord, give me wisdom as I dream, as I think of what could be. The beautiful thing about dreaming and pursuing dreams uh, in the you know context of the kingdom of God is, is that 
even if we're off trajectory, we're off base, we're not aiming at the right thing, we're not heading for God's uh, best, we're not doing the wisest thing, he's a good father and he will bump us, he'll direct us, he'll put up a roadblock where there needs to be a roadblock or he'll open a door where there needs to be an open door. So back to the scripture. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled or a desire or a dream should have used that version because that's what the word actually means. A dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Faith is about the things that we're hoping for. And we're, we're, it's impossible to please God without faith. The word says that. And faith is, is about hoping in things that we can't yet see. So when it says hope deferred makes the heart sick, it means that we've got this hope but we keep putting off taking action on it. We keep uh, postponing. And, and definitely there's seasons where life just makes you. you know, God, was, uh, what we're doing today, I wanted to do 20, 25 years ago. But I had to defer it. I was raising a family. We couldn't take the risks that we took to launch what is life on the verge these days. And I had to defer it. But that was kind of a... a a wise thing to do and a godly deferral, but I can tell you that it, it sickened my heart to a degree because I had to keep putting it off. But it, there's a great book, and I might even do a podcast on it called Rescuing Ambition by a man named Dave Harvey. I think he's a pastor. Um, and in that book, he talks about what do we do you know, while we're waiting? Well, he says we walk while we wait. So we keep doing what's in front of us while we wait. While we, you know, even though the heart is maybe getting a little weak and disappointed and depressed because we're having to defer our dream, we keep walking. We keep doing what we can do where we are. You've heard me say that a million times. Um, but if when we have opportunity to do that, and we don't do anything. We don't do anything. You know, at least in those days, even though we couldn't fully launch Life on the Verge, I was playing music and I was writing songs and I was dreaming. I was doing something. But if we keep putting off our desires and don't do anything and don't have any dreams and don't pursue those dreams, our heart, which that word means our mind and our emotions, it gets sick. It can even affect our bodies. It'll grow sick. People die with sick hearts because they never even took a shot They never even took a step out of their comfort zone in the direction of a dream. They bury their dream. Or or they, as the quote says, they die with their music still in them. I I wrote down a few symptoms of a deprived, sick heart. Uh, When you defer a dream, you don't have a dream. Um, And again, don't wait for God to give you this dream in detail. He may, but the odds are, He's not. I'm not going to call my son up and say, hey, I got a dream for you and I want you to do this. And if you don't do it, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. I want my son to call me up and say, dad, I got a dream. Would you speak to it? Would you Would you help me have some wisdom on how to how to make it happen? Man, I that excites me as a father and I have to believe it excites God as a father. When we petition him and we, now I don't want my son to call, call me up with some, he can start there with a general idea of what he'd like to accomplish, the desire, the dream, okay? And of course, it has to be something that's in line with, you know, kingdom principles he's been taught. Hey, dad, I got a dream. I want to be a bank robber. That's not going to work. I want to do something immoral. That's not going to work. But when we petition God, we say, I've, I've got a dream, God. 
You know, I've got a desire. Help me put some meat on the bones. Well, I think God bats it back to us and says, well, I'll give you wisdom, but put the brain I gave you to work. Put the imagination I gave you to work. Start crafting that thing and bring some detail to it. So if my son calls me up and and he has a plan, I can speak to the plan, but I expect him to come up with the majority of the plan. Now, if you defer this, if you have no dream, here's a symptom of a dream-deprived sick heart. You become cynical. You become grumpy. You become hard to live with. You mock and ridicule and have envy and jealousy toward others that are out on the field getting it done, living their dreams. It, It eats you up because you've let fear keep you from dreaming. Doubt keep you from dreaming. You get depressed and disappointed in yourself and probably should be because God wants us to dream. All of these symptoms come from a sick heart, hope deferred, putting it off, not stepping in the direction of your dream. You know, um, I asked myself, so here, this verse asks this question. It, it, I, I made this up myself, but I think this verse asks this question. What will make your heart sick if you don't accomplish it or even try? What if you die on your deathbed, if you have time, we don't know that we will have time to even think before we die, but if you do, what would make your heart sick that you never even try? There's a stat out there that talks about people in their 90s or something or 80s or they're you know nearing death's door and what their regrets were. And, and overwhelmingly, I don't have that stat in front of me, but it was like, I wish I would have attempted more. I wish I'd have taken more risks. So why? Why do we need to do this? Well, one, it produces, when we fulfill a dream, what does it do? It produces a tree of life. What does a tree do? It produces fruit to help others. Well, this would be a tree of life. So it produces life where others can receive life. Refreshing. You know, when, when I ask that question, it's funny, uh, you know, we, we, we don't, the house we live in doesn't belong to us. You know, it belong, everything belongs to God anyway, right? We only, we only we, even if you have a mortgage and your house is paid off, you're still just renting it because <laughs> you, you're going to go to heaven, or hopefully, and somebody else is going to get that house, you know? And so it's everything on this earth that we think we own, it's just rent. And, and so, in my heart, you know, I used to own, we, we used to own a house or according to what I just said, rent a house uh, in view of eternity on five acres. It, it wasn't the nicest house, but it was big. It had 3,000 square feet, five acres. I could hunt in the backyard, water access to the Ware River, um, a beautiful piece of property. Uh, and, and we let go of all that to take the next step that we felt God wanted us to take. And we made some money off the equity but the next step required us to spend that money. And so, uh, you know, we, we, 
we found ourselves just our our assets just depreciated or went down more and more and more to the point that we were living in that beat up 1989 camper and going we don't have a w2 i don't think we can even rent a house you know uh we're gonna be living in this beat up camper forever but that's okay we're doing what god called us to do we had great joy in what we were doing i wasn't licking my wounds and feeling bad about it it was like we're, we're out here we're doing the thing that is bringing me joy bringing us joy and purpose we're living the dream I, I would have been in much worse shape if i would have deferred this dream and not taken the step and, and be doing this and so now that we've lived in this house for 10 years which is crazy to think and the man that has helped us get in here and you know uh wonderful, wonderful man of God that has blessed us tremendously, uh, you know, bypassed any kind of reference and stuff, just trusted my friend Stan Grant, Pastor Stan Grant, his his reference, because we didn't have a, a, a you know enough income to even get into the house, you know, according to today's standards. But so I've had this dream of one day owning, you know, the dream house again, you know, the Lord, you said that anyone that's given up houses and, you know, fields and brothers and mothers and sisters in this life will be given a hundred times as much in this life and more in eternity, something like that. Jesus said that. And he certainly provided all those things. But I've got this little dream, and I, I thought about that verse when I read it the other morning in, in my devotion. I thought, you know, I'd really like to own another house one day. And I started, you know, I always go on Zillow and look at houses. Man, it's crazy what houses. You guys that bought your house early, you're, you're rich, man. The, the, what, the appreciation of houses, it's just ridiculous. So, I, I yeah, I, anyway, I'm looking at these houses and I found one. I was like, man, this, is, this has got everything that we need, you know. Um, I mean, I'm not griping about the house we live in, but my studio is on the second floor. And there's a lot of gear in here. We come off the road with an RV full of gear, and then I have a lot of other gear. Everything's got to come up a full flight of stairs, and that's no fun. I love it. I love my room. Don't get me wrong. But I'm dreaming of, you know, maybe something on the first floor one day. And, and so as I wrote all this out, I thought, you know what? If I died and, and I never own another house, that's not going to make my heart sick. You know, that's, I mean, I'd love to. But that's such a temporal thing. You know, uh, what would make my heart sick? And you know, the answer to my question, I told you guys we're playing this little Winston's Cafe on December 7th. Uh, maybe you heard one of the previous podcasts, how we got into that. We've never booked the plunders other than a couple of campgrounds, but we've never gone out like on, you know, there's a club circuit, you know, bars and restaurants and breweries and wineries and all these places where I know a lot of musicians that play all these places in my area, down in Virginia Beach, Richmond, all that area. Um, and we've gone out and we've sat in with them. That means we've got up and I play guitar with them and their band, but we've never booked the plunders and tried to kind of step our foot into that circuit. And not because I have any pipe dreams about some grand music success by doing it, just the challenge of, you know, we never even tried to go, hey, could we have more influence in our community? Could we meet more people? Could we make a bigger difference if we would just get out there? You know, when we go into prisons, man, they're happy to see us. I think our music is excellent, meaning it excels above what they expect. I know it does. Okay, they they get a lot of mediocre ministry in prison. Praise God for all ministry, but to come in with a full sound system and the caliber of musicians that we play with, sometimes they don't get that every day. 
but I know that we could take it down a notch or two or 10 and they would still be appreciative because we're there. I also know that if I get up in church and I we play a couple of songs and then I preach a message, we're going to get applause from most people. Every now and then a negative word, very rare. But most people because we're brothers and sisters. But what about when you go out into a world that the all you have is your music. You can't share a message. You can't. The only common bond you can have is is this music effective? And and part of the idea is to raise our uh, level of excellence in music to the standard to say, hey, this this works on the outside and the inside, you know. And 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 I think it's going to be great. Okay, but I'm a little fearful. It's a it's a new step. And I honestly said to myself, you know, it would make my heart sick if I died and we never stepped out to at least see. So we're going to do this thing on December 7th. And I'm going to ask you to pray about it. Hey, we're going to walk away from it going, uh, get this. Okay, we're playing three hours of music for $150. I don't know if I said that in another podcast. I don't care about the money. Um, I, I'm interested in people. This is, a, to me, kind of an evangelistic thing. Not, not that we're going to win everybody to Jesus, but maybe we can create some curiosity about who we are and what we do. Who knows? We've seen that work tremendously in the past just from going out and sitting in with other bands. So we're going to walk away from it going, well, that was totally worth it. Let's do some more of that. Or mm, we ain't doing that no more. But at least I'm going to do the thing that I feel like it'd make my heart sick if I didn't do it. Now, ask yourself, what would make your heart sick that you never even tried? If you found out your days were limited and you never even took a baby step toward it. Um, you know, one I mean, one of the greatest gifts that we give, we talk about that tree of life. I've talked about this before. Uh, Randy Pausch in his book, The Last Lecture, one of the greatest gifts we give to people is the gift of inspiration. So while there are many people out there that will see you step out on a dream and accomplish some goals and maybe you post it on social media or they know you in person or you somehow they've learned of your success, there's going to be the critic. Those are the people with sick hearts. Those are the people too fearful to step out and do their own thing, so they just sit back in the recliner and sit behind their computer or the keyboard, and they throw stones at other people. So ignore them, because you're going to have far more people that are inspired by what you've done and what you're doing. That's part of that tree of life. You're injecting that into other people, or at least making it available. So in conclusion, let me say this. Let's see how we're doing on time. Uh, yeah, we're just, all right, give me, give me less than five minutes. Okay. I want to, I want to close with these, this quote and these two questions. All right. You ready? I'm sure many of you heard this quote, but it's certainly worth reading, uh, once in a while. Theodore Roosevelt said this, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. 
so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. There, there's something worse than defeat and to me, and that is not even trying. So the, the two questions that I want to uh, leave with you is, is this. What will make your heart sick if you never even try? And the second question is this. What will produce a tree of life for you? What will excite you and bring purpose and meaning? Where's that dream? Don't defer it. Do something. Um, Remember the wicked, slothful servant in Matthew 25? He buried his talent. Why? For fear of getting it wrong. For fear of getting it wrong, he never even tried. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Life on the Verge is a completely donor-funded IRS 501c3. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about our work inside and outside of prison, visit lifeontheverge.com. If you'd like to hear more of our music, visit theplunders.com.